Uh, I enjoy distance running. Uh, it's relaxing to me. It's fun to me. But when the wind is against me, what is meant to be enjoyable and relaxing turns into a mess. Um, maybe uh, this example would be a little closer to home for you. We have relationships in our lives that are supposed to be uh, a, a strength. It's supposed to be something that adds a benefit. It's supposed to be something that we enjoy. Uh, but if in that particular relationship in your life, if the wind is against that relationship, what's supposed to be enjoyable, a source of strength, it is a mess. Um, the second, the third uh, example I want to share is if you have this hope, if you're, if you're in this season where you're striving towards something, uh, you, you have a hope and an expectation that this particular door of opportunity is going to open and you're going to have good graces in this, uh, at this meeting. Um, but if the wind is against you, it just feels like that possibility of that good thing happening just feels so far away. Uh, if your relationship with God has the wind against you, uh, it just feels like the wind is against you. Even though you love the Lord, even though uh, you're passionate about him, you've given your life to him, it feels, now this isn't reality, but it feels this way when the wind is kind of coming against you spiritually. It feels like your relationship with him is stagnant. It's stuck. It's in a funk. This is what life is like when you're rowing against the wind. And so uh, this whole message, this whole topic is coming out of this passage. I'm just going to read one scripture to you. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now, it says immediately after this, uh, if you were to read the verses prior to that verse, you will find that they just had what I like to call the greatest fish fry in the history of the world. They took two fish and five loaves, prayed for it, gave thanks for it, and fed 5,000 people. 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. So these disciples are juiced right now. Imagine you're one of the disciples and you've been walking around with a basket and every time you look into that basket, you see 20 pieces of fish. How the 20 pieces of fish got there, you don't know. All you know is you were holding a basket. You had your eyes closed. Jesus prayed, you opened your eyes. There's 20 pieces of fish. You start passing out fish to the crowd. And every time you pull out a fish, your mind is telling you there's only 19 left, but there's always 20. Here you go, still 20. 
still 20. And you're looking at the other disciples and you're going. And you're trying to be cool because you hang out with Jesus all the time. Has God ever answered a prayer for you? And you're saying, I know God's going to do this for me. And then he does it and you're like, oh my goodness. They prayed and he said yes. And they're like, oh my goodness. We just fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. So the afterwards, they're all gathered around and they're telling stories about passing fish out over here. And, and I'm, let me just make this up because it just seems like it would happen. Peter's telling John, man, this guy in the back realized that it was all you can eat fish day. And he kept on asking for more. Have you ever been at the Sizzler? And it says, all you can eat. Is there Sizzlers anymore? Awkward. Have you ever been at... Golden Corral, and it's all you can eat Golden Corral day. And there's always that one guy that says, all you can eat. Let's see about that. And keeps going back. And finally, the chef comes out and goes, look, man, we don't have any more chicken. I thought you said all you can eat. And then you hear him about in the news that the restaurant refused to feed the guy. Well, I can just imagine some guy going, I'll take another piece of fish. I'll take another. I'll take another. And Peter's telling John, this guy kept on eating. Finally, I won. I had more fish than he could eat. Yeah. <laughs> Chest bumps, head butts. Fives, they're feeling good. And now afterward, now we pick up right where we started. Jesus says, guys, get in the boat. Now, it's evening time. Now, when he says get in the boat, he's telling them to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, last spring, I had the opportunity to go to Israel. And I traveled on this tour bus and went down to the Sea of Galilee. And I'm on this little boat, and I'm sitting here going, oh. Jesus walked on this water. It was so crazy. And we get to the other side and there's this little restaurant and they sell fish. And I'm like, you better believe it. I want some fish from the Sea of Galilee. They bring out the fish. True story. Now, let me just say this. I love fish. I eat fish anyway. Fried fish. Coconut fish. Almond fish. <laughs> I'll eat any kind of fish. But they bring out this plate, and maybe some of you have had fish like this before. This was my first time. They leave the head on the fish. Anyone? It is very awkward. Taking your fork and stabbing something that's watching you stab it. I'm looking, 
like, dude, man, I'm really sorry, but I'm starving. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I pushed the fish back. It's awkward eating something that's watching you eat it. I know it's dead, but take the eyeball, throw it in the trash can, bring it back to me, fry the thing. We need some Texans over there showing them how to slap it together, fry it down. Well, anyway, he's, 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 what am I talking about? I love it when all of you tell me all at the same time, because now I'm even more confused about what I'm talking about. So, so Jesus says, hey, all of you fish, you've eaten your fish. I know you're feeling good. I know you're celebrating. And now he's going to bring the whole moment to a halt. They're excited. They're pumped. They're excited, a.k.a. the wind is behind them. Life is good. And when life is good, you just want life to stay good. I saw a commercial about this and uh, we pulled it off and recorded it. We're going to play it for you. Take a look at this. These are a few athletes that just want life to stay good. Man, I can't believe it's finally the week of greatness at Foot Locker. A whole week of the most premium kicks? Feels like all is right with the world. I'm sorry, Evander. It's your ear. So, Mr. Rodman, round trip to North Korea? One way. One way? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Goodbye, old friends. I okay? Well, that's great. But a man's gotta know when to walk away. Yeah. My ear. I kept that in formaldehyde. One way. He said one way. <laughs> He's never coming back! <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. Things just feel different. You know, I, I don't know if you thought that was funny, but I watched it like 10 times in a row. When, when, my, when Mike Tyson goes, here's your ear. I'm done. It's just, he ate the guy's ear! How many people saw that live? The first time you thought, that didn't just happen. And then he does it again, you're like, he's eating his ear. Like, who does that? Anyway, so it, these, <laughs> these disciples, they're in this moment where life is good. All of a sudden, Jesus is going to shake things up. He says, get in the boat, puts them in the boat, and then all of a sudden, things start changing. Everything starts changing. They get in the boat. It's evening time. They start going out to get to the other side. It should take about three hours to get across. And, and all of a sudden, the wind comes. And the waves. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been canoeing. Raise your hand if you've ever been canoeing. There we go. It, it, it's not easy canoeing into the wind. If the wind is behind you, life is good. But if it's in front of you, this is what you feel like. Just let me know if you understand this by an applause. You stroke. And then the wind blows. Are you helping me? Because 
the guy is always in the back going, yeah, you're doing great, you're doing great. You're doing great. Every time I've been in a canoe, I always end up getting up front and the guy in the back who has a bigger brain than me is saying, okay, I'm just gonna be the utter steerer guy and I'm just gonna just... And so here I am. Um, it's like I go like five feet forward, four feet backward, five feet forward, four feet. And that's just the wind. It's always like when things aren't going right, something else has to happen. Do you know what I mean? Things aren't going well, and then all of a sudden you get the call, and you're like, oh, things were already not going good. And now I got waves. I got wind, and I got waves. And you're just going. And then we have to look like life is good all the time, so the ladies have their mat. That is way overpriced. Found that out during Christmas time. And ladies are going, they're, this is what they're feeling like on the inside. Especially those of you that are single, you don't even have somebody back here pretending like they're happening. They're helping. You're doing it all. But then you have the added pressure of looking cool. And those of you single moms. Bend over. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I warned you. Well, I meant to warn you. This is our life. Wind. Waves. Things would have been so fine had the season not changed. Everything was going well until he did what he did. She did what she did. That phone rang. That stock dropped. That meeting happened. Everything was going so good. Then all of a sudden, Jesus wants to change things up. Something about Jesus that we just have to accept. He is more concerned about who he sees you being in the future than the victory that we're having right now. So he's not gonna let us just relish and celebrate. Woohoo! It's 2014! Whoa! You gotta go back to work on Monday. Let's go, let's celebrate. I brought this new year. Let's celebrate. Let's move on. Hey, you got a raise. Woohoo! Let's celebrate. Let's move on. But you know, likewise, 
God doesn't hold us in victory moments, but he also doesn't hold us in our failures either. So when we do mess up, he's like, hey, we tripped, we fell. I'm more concerned about where I have you going. Let's go. So both sides of the coin still help us in the long run. So here we go. Jesus moves us on to this next season. The disciples are not happy about it. And you know they're praying because they are tip top, tip top, three o'clock in the morning. Here comes Jesus. Now, for some reason, our air conditioning isn't working well. So I'm going to be preaching like a real southern boy tonight, <laughs> this morning. Have you ever been in a service with a southern preacher preaching with a towel? <laughs> We're going to get old school this morning because I'm burning up. So just feel free to go, well, anytime you want. Now, if you start running around the church... We've got some Baptist ushers that are going to clothesline you. So don't try it. So here we go. Three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, Jesus decides to show up. Now, you can be a Christian for two hours and already realize that Jesus isn't going to show up on your timeline. And it is extremely frustrating. Let's just be honest. It's frustrating. So Jesus comes walking up. They have been working in this storm all night long. And so all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Now the disciples are in a catch-22 right now. They are scared to death. They have been working this thing. They're not happy about the microphone. They're not happy about the sound that's happening. They're looking at the sound guy, wondering if he should get another mic. And then they hear something that sounds like a God walking on the water. shows up now they're in a catch-22 <laughs> they're in a catch-22 because they don't like the way their life is going they don't like the situation they're in the wind is going against them and they're sick and tired of it they don't like it, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and when they see Jesus, this is what they say. Ah! It's in your Bible. It says that exact thing, except in the Greek, they didn't know how to spell, ah! So what they... <laughs> So what they did is they said, and the disciples cried out, it's a ghost, a.k.a. Ah! 
So now they're in a pickle. They don't know what to do. They don't like the way their life is going. This isn't working for me. Let's just pause for a minute. I feel like the Lord wants me to say something. For somebody in this room where you say, if this is what the rest of my life looks like, I'm not okay with that. So here they are. Now Jesus shows up. So they don't like this option and they're scared of that option. They don't like the way their life is going. But this whole Jesus thing freaks me out. Are you with me? See, when somebody shifts and says, okay, Jesus is all I got, that means they're going to pray more than they've prayed before, even though they're not even confident that they're a good prayer. They're just going to pray more than they ever have. They're going to come to church more than they ever have. They're going to choose to be kind more than they ever have. And, and they're just going to focus and press and try and seek and pray. And whether I'm good at this or not, I'm just going to pursue you, not even realizing that anything you do is exciting to Jesus. But here they are. Now watch this. The majority of people that are in that situation where they don't like what's happening now and the other alternative is intimidating and a little bit scary. It is a ghost after all. The Holy Ghost, it's a whole thing. It's hard to wrap your head around. The majority, a.k.a. 11 out of the 12 disciples, do nothing. And that still happens in 2014. You don't like the way the life is going? You see the other option? The wind is in your face. Things aren't going well. Jesus is an option. Don't really understand it. Kind of freaks me out. I'll do nothing. But then every once in a while, there's a Peter. Who, he doesn't like the way things are either. He probably screamed the loudest. But deep down inside. Deep down in here, more than anything in the world that he has ever wanted is to experience a dimension of God that he has only read about. He's wanted that. Is that you? You know how Abraham talked with God? Moses talked with God. David heard from God. The Bible says that old men will have dreams and young men will have visions. I want to be that guy. Have you ever thought that? I want to be that girl. Peter had that. I want to be that person. And so now this is the opportunity. He's looking at Jesus. He's in the boat. And all of a sudden he blocks out the wind. He blocks out the waves because this means more. I think this mic is messed up. So if I can get a different one or just take me out of the monitors or something. Is it messed up in the house? No? Okay. It's just messed up in the monitors. (laughs) 
See, I think I'm talking to a remnant of believers that more than wanting your prayers of the wind and these problems to stop, if you have to pick one or the other, you'd rather experience a dimension of God that only other people have told you even exist. You'd rather have that than have the problems go away. And so he begins to focus on Jesus. And he says, if that's you, invite me to that other dimension. Let me come on out, if that's you. And Jesus says, come on. Can you guys hear the monitors? Okay, just turn me off on the monitors. And, and I'll just wing this thing. If that's you, invite me to come out. So he looks around. His friends are walking off. They tease him and say, I'm with you. You ever say, hey, I got your back? Way back, 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 back. And so Peter says, all right, I'm coming. All right, I'm, I'm doing it. You know he did it this way. Hey, think about it. Do you think that the storm, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come on out. Come on out. Okay. He didn't do that. He, he was okay. I'm going in, man. Here I go. It's scary. Can I just tell you? It is scary to say, okay, God, it's you and me or it's over. That's why most 11 out of 12 don't do it. They go like this. I don't like the way my life is, but that option freaks me out. It's scary. All right, God, here we go. And he comes out and he starts walking. And when you put all of your hope in Jesus, even though you don't even all the way understand what you're trying to do, you will walk on what takes other people down. He starts walking. And then he's laser focused. And this is what I think happened. I think the devil responded the same way he responds to me and you when we start doing good. I think while Peter was walking, laser focused, hell starts freaking out. And they say, we need a bigger wind. Now. <laughs> Peter's walking. And some problem comes up, some wind comes up, some wave comes up that's bigger than the others. And it just gets his attention off. Has that ever happened? Have you ever come to church and worship God and say, God, 
if nothing else goes well in my life except for me becoming a better worshiper, then so be it. And you walk out these doors and show enough. If some crazy thing doesn't happen and all the passion and all the excitement that you had on Sunday goes away. Right? So Peter Baloop goes right under. And he's screaming, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Somebody just said to their neighbor, he's not normal. <laughs> then Jesus says something that has boggled my mind for at least 25 years. Until yesterday did it finally make sense. Jesus looks at Peter and says, O ye of little faith. Say what? I'm the only guy who got out of the boat? These cats back here are hiding in the back, crying for their mother. I'm the only one that got out of the boat. Me of little faith? What? And then yesterday, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and show me something that I've never thought before. See, the Bible says that many have started in the Spirit, but ended up in the flesh. So you got out, you started walking with God, which takes faith, and you believe, you know like you know your name, that these situations and seasons in your life, had it not been for God, you wouldn't be where you are. You, you know that, but do you believe that God can keep you walking on water and bring you to where he has planned for you with all of this going on? See, now that's a whole different level of faith. See, many of us have enough faith to come to church, but do we have enough faith with all those waves and all that wind? Is he really going to carry us all the way through? Or do we start doubting halfway? Jesus says, hey, I'm the one that got you on the water. In fact, I'm the one that puts air in your lungs. I'm the one who picked out the color of your eyes. I'm the one that knew your name before your mama even knew she was pregnant. I'm the one that started this thing in Philippians 1.6. The God who started it is going to be faithful to complete it. I don't care about the wind. I own the wind. Now, that's a whole nother level of faith. And so Jesus crawls in the boat. Now, 
this last thought before I hit those three points. Do you know why it's special to me that Jesus got into the boat? It's because Peter just messed up. And Jesus says, hey, you messing up does not determine whether or not I want to be in your boat. You messing up is just part of your humanity, but I'm with you. Whether you're hitting home runs or whether you're striking out, we're on the same team, baby. Don't you love your God? Don't you love your God? Three points that I want to share with you. Three takeaways. Number one, you were built to float. You were built to float. Do you know boats were made to float? And the only time a boat can't float is when what's on the outside of the boat gets on the inside. When the water and the waves get on the inside, the boat can't float. But if the boat can keep what's happening on the outside out from the inside, everything's okay. The same is true with you and I. If what's happening on the outside can stay on the outside and not get in the inside, we're going to be just fine. You say, excuse me, sir, I got a question. How do you know whether or not it's on the inside or the outside? That's such a good question. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're wondering whether your friend has the storm on the outside or whether or not it's creeped on the inside, just listen to how they talk. Because if they start talking about something that happened 25 years ago, and they're still moaning and complaining, and bitterness is coming out, you just back up and go, ooh, the outside has gotten on the inside. Have you ever been around somebody and you look at their life and you go, their life, oh my goodness, I feel so sorry. Your life is going through a storm. And then you listen to them talk and they don't talk like they're in a storm. They talk like God is good. I don't know what he's doing, but everything's going to work out. God's with me. God's brought me through tough times before. He's going to bring me through this as well. Then you back up and you go, wait a minute, they're in a storm, but the storm isn't in them. Boats are made to float. You're made to float. You're designed for this. Let me just say this. Some of you have been through hell and back sideways. You're still here worshiping God. How in the world does that happen? You're made for this. You can handle this. Number two. Everyone say number two. Storms have opportunities. Most don't take them. But Peter was able to experience something in that storm that nobody else did. If you read the Bible, you can just take the Bible and just go just like this. You're going to find somebody in a problem. And then close the Bible and then do it again. And then oh, there's another guy in a problem. And then you close it and then you open it back up and you go, there's another guy in a problem. 
And what you'll find is that the closest relationships with God happened right in the middle of a problem. Storms have opportunities. Now, I'm with you. When I hit a storm, the only thing that's on my mind is I want to get out of this storm, and I want to start celebrating something, just like we were celebrating the fish fry. Hey, we fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. I want to be excited about something. I want to get out of this season. But before we hurry up and get out of this season, let's just remember, if we were to pray just a little bit more, if we were to whisper a prayer a little bit more, if we were just to get one scripture and hang on to it, there's opportunities in storms. Anytime something bad is happening, there's an opportunity. How, you say, How do you know that? Are you exaggerating? No, it says this. The Lord will prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. And so anytime there's an enemy, there's an opportunity. So I want you to get out of this funk too. I want the wind to be behind you. I don't like seeing families and people with the wind in their face. But before we hurry up and get out, let's begin to experience something that can only be experienced in a storm. My last and final point is this. Jesus has to be in the boat. I was driving down 2978 this week. I know exactly where I was. I was on 2978. And all of a sudden, I felt afraid for so many people I know. People that very consistent in church, acknowledge that there's a God, but do not take their relationship with Jesus serious at all. And it's so obvious. You say, how do you know it's obvious? Do you know, I was watching Fox News this week. Let me make sure I read it right. It's, there is something called um, a smelling sickness. A smelling sickness, which means that you can smell when someone is sick. You can smell it. You can smell when someone's immune system has become active. It's in their sweat and in their breath. You can smell it. Once you've smelt it once, you can smell it every time. You can smell when someone's sick. See... We have some people in our lives, they're sick. They're spiritually sick. How do you know if someone's spiritually sick? The same way you know if you're physically sick. When you're physically sick, do you feel like eating mom's meatloaf? You lose your appetite when you're physically sick. But when you're spiritually sick, what happens? You lose your appetite. And you, people think that we don't know. They think we don't know because they're sitting right next to us in church, but we do know. How do we know? We can smell it. And my heart hurts 
Because Jesus is coming back soon. And if he doesn't come back for another 20 years, I can promise you this. Your marriage is always going to be trash. You're always going to be fighting an uphill battle. You're always going to have the wind against you. You're always going to have the waves against you until Jesus gets in the boat and you focus on Jesus and block out the wind and the waves. And anytime you start paying attention to the wind and the waves, and you fall back down and you start saying, oh, no, no, and then you fall back down. And as long as you just get back up and say, let me refocus here. Let me refocus. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. If you don't live that way, you can guarantee two things. Number one, your life in heaven is in jeopardy. And number two, your life here is going to be all against the wind. I'm pleading with you this morning. I'm pleading with you. Lock your eyes on him and just turn everything up just a notch. Just pray a little bit more. Be nice a little bit more. Be kind a little bit more. Worship a little bit more. Sacrifice a little bit more. Let Jesus get in that boat. Watch what he can do.